Welcome to Journey Church Podcast. It's great to have you with us. Here at Journey, we believe that Jesus should be accessible to anyone. So whether you're at home, work, or somewhere in between, you can have access to the weekend's worship experience. If you want to further connect with us, you can find us online at journeyorl.com or any social media platform using at journeyorl. We hope you enjoy the message. I just want to say, you know, every Sunday I get up here and I consider it an honor and a privilege to share with you from the word of God. And it's no small petition to ask a community of people to open their hearts to be challenged. And it is definitely not a small petition for you to take up that challenge. It's not easy when you read something in the Bible or you hear God say something that goes contrary to the way you've lived your life. It's a, it is a challenge to not just hear that, but to receive it and then act on it. And I just want to celebrate you. Last Sunday, we talked about something super biblical, but really difficult. We talked about the practice of uh, giving generosity and, and tithing, giving 10% of one's income to the Lord. And, uh, and I was blown away, blown away, A, by how many people actually took the challenge. And uh, there were a couple people who turned in their offering envelopes last Sunday with, with, with notes on the offering envelope. This is my first tithe ever. And, uh, and it was so great to see how so many people responded in obedience to God's word. But B, it was so great to see the testimonies. I got more emails last Sunday, from last Sunday to this Sunday, about the miracles God was doing in people's lives through just, through just walking out his word. People telling me, I gave, my last, I gave my last bit of income. I gave my last bit of income to the Lord, and then I, I got a job next week. It's crazy stuff. God just moving in people's families, people paying for weddings, and things just getting paid for. And let me tell you, God doesn't always respond financially when you listen to obedience. But there's one thing I'm sure of is that he does respond. He meets you. He hears, he sees when we follow, and he responds in an amazing way. And I was, I was just showing Liz all of the emails that were coming in, and it blessed my heart. Because <clears throat> you wonder, as a pastor, um, you know, if anybody's listening. You guys listening? You guys listening? Oh, thanks. I appreciate that. Uh, Because you wonder. That's why I need you to talk back to me when I'm preaching. It lets me know that you're here and you're engaged. And uh, and let me just say, you know, as a Christian, it never gets old hearing those testimonies. As a Christian, it never gets old seeing people's lives being transformed. It never gets old being a part of the miracle God is doing in someone else's life. And that's why I'm so excited for this next season of our church life and what we're going as a church. It is five weeks till Easter Sunday. Somebody, you know, get excited for that. Easter Sunday is a big deal in church um, because it is the one season of the year where your friends are most likely to come visit church. They might not come back, but you'll get them to come. And all I'm asking you to do is get them to come and we'll do our best to keep them. Uh, But uh, I believe, and I've talked with the staff and I've talked with my wife. We believe, listen, the next six to eight months of what God does in Journey. And when I say Journey, I don't just mean the organization, the company, the business, the church. I mean you and I. We're a family. We're in this together. I'm believing that the next six to eight months, what God's going to do in your life, in our lives, is going to be something special, something miraculous. I can see it. I, I don't know when. I don't know how. But I can see it. I'm believing it. And I want you to believe with me. And I want you to pray with me because God is up to something special. And I want to be a part of it. Anybody want to be a part of that? I don't want my life to end in, 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 in monotony. I don't want to, I want to know that I was a part of a move of God while I was here. And so I'm excited about that. 
And uh, as a result, I've been praying differently. I don't know if God has ever put a miracle on your heart, but how many people know that when you need a miracle, uh, the, the way you pray changes when you need a miracle versus when you would just like something. When you're praying for miracles, and I know this because I'm, I'm in this season right now. Like, I feel God's getting ready to do something in Journey Church, and I just don't want to get in the way. And so I'm praying my eyeballs out, and I'm praying with a sense of urgency. I'm praying with a sense of desperation. I'm praying with a sense of frustration because, you know, when you need a miracle and you don't see it, and then your prayer gets a little. It's okay to get frustrated when you pray, by the way. Uh, so I'm praying with a little frustration because I want to see God do what I know God can do. Uh, and, and you would know that place if you've ever needed a miracle. If you've ever had a sick child or a sick parent, if you've ever paid groceries with a credit card, if you've ever Googled good divorce lawyers in Orlando, if you've ever been an Orlando Magic fan, you know what it's like to need a miracle. You know, you know what it's like to need a miracle. Uh, and, uh, and so I'm praying for a miracle. I'm believing in God for miracles, except not the magic. Nobody can do that. Uh, but I'm praying, I'm praying for a miracle. I'm believing in God for a, a, a miracle. But the way I pray for miracles now is different than the way I used to pray for miracles when I was a teenager. I've grown a little bit. By no means am I, am I old or older, but I've been doing this Christianity thing for a while. And, and how many, you know, people have been Christians for a long time? You know, your prayer changes as you grow and develop and mature and you learn more about God and and the way I've prayed for miracles has changed. Not in my expectancy of the miracle. I want you to know that. I, I don't pray and think, well, maybe he'll do it or, or like, no, I know he'll do it. What's changed is I no longer try and predict how he's going to do it. I know he's going to come through because he's God, but I've given up trying to figure out how he's going to do it or when he's going to do it. When I used to pray, I used to give God the details. I want you to do this, God, and I want you to do it like this. And I've learned that it just does not work like that because God doesn't give you what you want. He gives you what you need. And I learned that in praying for a spouse. And I was praying for my wife. You guys see her so pretty. And I prayed for a dark-skinned, black-haired worship leader because I had a whole plan. I was going to plant a church. My wife was going to be the worship leader, and I wouldn't have to pay nobody. That was the idea. She's my wife. Do it for free, you know. Shut up and sing. You know what I'm saying? Just go do what you do. That was the plan. Uh, somebody quiet, you know, because I, I like the quiet. And, um, well, I don't know if you've any, spent any time with my wife, but she has none of those things. <laughs> She's blonde, light skin, light skin, light skin. She, uh, God bless her heart, she can't hold a note. Can't. And quiet, <laughs> that girl will talk my ear off. Not what I wanted, but everything I needed. She might not be a worship leader, but she is one of the most intelligent businesswomen you will ever meet. She brought structure to my chaotic life. She brings plans to my dreams. I remember one time we put together an event. It was a young adults beach retreat. And I said, we should have dinner on the beach for all the young adults. It'd be awesome. She was like, I think that's illegal. I'm like, what do you know? I'm a dreamer. That's why I needed to worship. And dream with me. God knew if I had a dreamer with me, I would just take that a case. So it turns out the beach we wanted to have the, the, the dinner on was like a beach where like sea turtles migrate. And it's like a felony. 
Like there's jail time attached to having dinner on that beach. Like had God not sent me Liz, I'd be in jail right now. I was trying to eat on the beach and she brought structure to my life. You know, she, she's, she's not quiet at all, but she talks until my soul is filled with encouragement. And, uh, and so, she, again, she's not everything I, I thought I wanted, but God knew what I needed and gave me what I needed. I know when we had kids, I thought the miracle of childbirth would be amazing. And it was, but not in the way I thought it'd be. I don't really know what I thought child, you know, bearing would be like, parenthood would be like. Uh, I guess I thought, because I had boys, and so I guess I thought we'd play catch and, you know, I'd teach them how to ride a bike and, We'd get nunchucks and beat each other up, and it'd be this awesome and a lot of fun. And, and, and what they didn't tell you, though, when they gave you the baby was that you no longer sleep, that you're changing these. I mean, you know you have to change diapers, but until you're doing it. And, and I remember one time getting up at 3 in the morning to change a diaper thinking, this is not good. This is not fun. There is no joy. In this, any, any parents of new, new babies, give me an amen or a shout or you know what I'm talking about. Yes, get clap, come on. I'm thinking, this is your moment. It was not good. It was not easy. And I remember one night wiping my son and, and thinking, you stink so bad. But, I came with the but, I said, but. But, um, get it, but. You think so bad, but. I said, but, I said, I, I love you. And, and, God, and, God, and God told me in the moment, he said, now you know what it feels like. He said, Jay, sometimes you stink. Sometimes you make messes. And here's the thing, you just keep on making the messes. Like you haven't learned how to clean yourself yet, but I love you. And I thought, wow, this child is a blessing, but not in the way I thought. He's not just teaching me joy and fun. He's teaching me patience and unconditional love and it was a blessing, but not in the way I thought it would be. And now you have to catch this because if you miss it, you'll miss the whole point and where I'm going. You have to notice that I, 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 you have to catch that I would have never noticed, I would have never seen what God was trying to do if I hadn't surrendered the way I thought he was going to do it. I wouldn't have been able to see the thing God was trying to do in my life if I had held on to the way I thought he was going to do it. If I had held on to the way I wanted my spouse or who my spouse would be like, I would have missed Liz. If I had held on to my view, my perspective of the way I thought parenthood should be like, I'd have spent the last five years complaining about being a parent than rather enjoying being a parent. And, and I'm telling you this because I know you've been asking God to do something impossible. I know you've been asking for a miracle in your home and your family and your marriage and your finances at work and so on and so forth. But my question to you is, how are you measuring your miracle? How are you measuring it? How do you know that God's not in it? How do you know, how have you come to the conclusion that he has, has left you? Because maybe he already did the miracle. But because you expected it in a certain way, you missed it. Did you catch that? What if God had already done the miracle in your life, but because you were expecting that miracle to happen in a particular way, you missed it and you complained and it's not here and it didn't happen. But what if it did? You just measured it wrong. For the next five weeks, we're going to go on a journey. A journey through the last five miracles of Jesus Christ to the cross. And, and, and I'm hoping in this journey you will discover uh, we're going to take a week and spend a week on every, each miracle. And there's going to be a message in each one. And I'm hoping that you will discover two things. One, 
that God is with you and he's getting ready to do something impossible in your life, that your miracle is in the mail, and two, that you to be able to look back and see all the impossible things he's already done and is doing and the miracles that are already happening in your life. And that's why we've titled the sermon today and the series going forward, Meet Your Miracle. Meet your miracle. Because I believe it's been there. You just haven't been properly introduced yet. Meet your miracle. And the first miracle that we find is no coincidence. The first of the final five miracles. Jesus starts it the way he ends it. It's actually with the resurrection of Lazarus. And so he starts with resurrection and he ends with resurrection. If you've never heard the story of Lazarus before, uh, we'll explain it. We'll go through a little bit of it. Just to give you some background. Uh, Lazarus, the Bible doesn't tell us a lot about Lazarus. Uh, John chapter 11 is the first time, excuse me, John 11 is the first time uh, John makes reference to these people. But uh, Lazarus and his two sisters, Martha and Mary. And again, while we don't know a lot about them, we do know that he gets sick. We do know that Martha and Mary love them a lot. And we do know, and this is the most important part, that Martha, Mary, and Lazarus are loved by Jesus. We know that. So read with us John chapter 11, verse 1 through 3. John chapter 11, verse 1 through 3. Now a certain man was ill, Lazarus of Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister Martha. It was Mary who anointed the Lord with ointment and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was ill. So the sisters sent to him saying, Lord, he whom you love, say that with me, whom you love, he whom you love is ill. He whom you love. Now the disciple writing this story knows a thing or two about being loved. Because the disciple who writes this story is John. But whenever John writes about himself in the book of John, he never calls himself John. He does like a humble brag thing. You know what a humble brag is? When you're bragging but you don't want to seem like you're bragging. Like pastors do it all the time. You're like how many people did you have at church? You'd be like, hundreds, glory to God. <laughs> They'd be like, but God be the glory. Hundreds, hundreds of people, God be the glory. Is that a girl? I mean, did you like that message? It was good. We had powerful. Yeah, but you know, God was the one that like through me. You know, it's like we do it all the time. So John humble brags. He never talks about himself. He says, I'm the disciple whom Jesus loved. What? Super cocky, right? What's your name? The guy Jesus loved. And that's all you need to know. I looked at that and I'm like, how could God let that in the Bible? That's, that's like, that's such a brag. That's like not right. That's not fair. I felt bad about it. But it was actually me who was reading it wrong. Because John never said the disciple that Jesus loved more. He said the disciple Jesus loved. That's important because he's not assuming a position of intimacy. He's just recognizing the one that he already has. And that's significant because Lazarus, Martha, and Mary send the message to Jesus like if Jesus was supposed to do something. And you know why they thought Jesus was going to do something? Because they were confident in the fact that Jesus loved them. You have to understand that the first step to meeting your miracle is understanding the relationship you have with Jesus. Because when you understand the relationship you have with Jesus, you can come to him with confidence. Knowing that you're asking someone who loves you for something that they already want to give you. If we were in the McDonald's drive-thru and, and you were in my car and I, I ordered a burger and you ordered a burger, but you didn't have enough money for your burger, you would ask me to help you pay for your burger, but it would come with a story. You'd be like, hey, what happened was, um, thing is my debit card doesn't speak to my credit card and my credit card is maxed and my debit got like a three-day hold and work is real tight and, and do you think you could pay for me? And I say, yeah, man, absolutely. I got your back. But that's how you would come because, you know, maybe our relationship isn't so great. But you know who never gives me a story when they get hungry? My children. 
As much as I would love them to say, please. As much as I would love them to say, hey, he who brings all the money into this home, would thou please try us and prepare me some food. As much as I would love for them to speak to me in the King James, they never do. They never do. Dad, I'm hungry. Feed me. That's how they wake up in the morning, before even a good morning. I'm hungry. And you know why they, they talk to me, and I don't get, I, I kind of do get mad, but they, they talk to me like that because they know I'm their dad. I just would love for you to come into God's presence with just a little bit of confidence, knowing that the one you're asking for is your father, that he's got your back, that he's listening, that he wants to bless you. You know, just come, hey, I'm hungry. I need you to do something in my life, Jesus. He's listening and he's ready. You got to come with that kind of confidence. And so they come to Jesus with this confidence, John chapter 11, 4, and this is Jesus' answer to them. But when Jesus heard it, he said, this illness does not lead to death. This illness does not lead to death. You got to listen to his wording of that. This illness does not lead to death. It is for the glory of God so that the Son of God may be glorified through it. So the messengers come. Jesus looks at the messengers. The messengers say, hey, Lazarus is sick. He's dying. Jesus says, this illness will not lead to death. The messengers come back to Mary and Martha, and they share the message with Mary and Martha. The only problem is, by the time the message gets back to Mary and Martha, Lazarus is already dead. Now, I need you to put yourselves in the position of Mary and Martha. You send the messenger away, and the messenger comes back. And when the messenger comes back, you're, you're believing he's going to come back with hope. You're believing he's going to come back with answer. But your brother's already dead. And so you're waiting there with the dead body. And the messengers come and they say, hey, Jesus said that this illness will not lead to death. And you're like, I'm sorry, what? Huh? And instead of hope, they get a broken promise. Is there anybody here today who maybe you feel like God's broken a promise in your life? Maybe somebody gave you a prophetic word one day and said, you're going to do this in life and you're going to, it's going to be awesome and you're going to, and here you are right now doing nothing and it looks like that's not even in the picture. Anybody ever open the Bible and read all those verses about all the good and awesome things, for I know the plans you have for me, plans to prosper and not to harm me, and, and, but you're broke. And you're wondering, God, did you break? I'm reading what you're saying. The only problem is I'm having a hard time believing it because the body's right next to me. And so you're trying to give me hope, but I'm not hearing a hope. All I'm hearing is a broken promise because you said I'm God who heals. But did Jesus lie? No. He said this illness will not lead to death. But he never said that this illness would not lead through Here's, here's what you need to know. I want you to meet your miracle. This is what you need to know about your miracle. Your miracle is not what God leads you to. It's what God leads you through. Your miracle is not what God leads you to. It's the things God leads you through. See, we have a two mentality. We're focused on the destination completely. But can I tell you something? God is not so concerned about the destination as he is about the journey. If it was, if he was so concerned about the two, then the moment you, the moment, then the moment you get saved, the moment you say, Jesus, come in my life. You know what should happen if God was concerned about the two? He should send angels to take you right there. 
Jesus, I love you. Forgive me for my sins. Come into my heart. At that moment, it should be just out. Why? Well, I mean, the whole point of knowing Jesus is to get to heaven, right? That's the problem with Christianity, the way it's preached sometimes. God just doesn't want to get you to heaven. He wants to get you through earth. He's not with you just to get you to it. He's with you to get you through it. He wants you to get, he wants to get you through it. And if you see it that way, then you can stop complaining when you're going through things and understand that that's a part of the miracle. That's a part of the miracle. You know what story is amazing in the Bible but could have not been amazing? The story of the three young men in the fire. You ever heard that story? There's three young men, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Three young men who, who, get, who refuse to worship a king, and as a result, they get thrown to the fire for not worshiping the king. And, and then when the king looks in the fire, there's a fourth person, Jesus Christ, standing with them in the fire, and they come out of the fire. That's an amazing story. You know what's not an amazing story? The three men who almost went in the fire. Let me tell you the story about the three men who almost went to the fire. But good thing, you know, that lawyer found a loophole and got them out. No, there's no glory in what God saves you from as much as it's what he rescues you through. And when people can see you go through a trial and come out, it brings glory to God. That's why the king said this. Look what the king said. Daniel chapter 3 verse 29. After the men come through the fire, look what the king says. There is no other God who is able to rescue in this way. No other God. See, when God gets you through something, he gets glory because no one can do it like that. How many people have been through something that only God could have taken you through? And people see it and they go, wow, only God could have done that. Only God could have pulled me out of that. Only God could have rescued me from there. That's where you have to have a mind shift. Listen to me. God's not in the delivery business. He's in the deliverance business. See, we want God to give us things and take us to things like if we were a package that he was trying to ship. But God's like, no, it's not about what I take you to. It's what I get you through. I want to rescue. I don't want to deliver. I want to rescue. I'm in the deliverance business. Would it have been a great story if God had sent the Israelites the short way to the promised land? Do you know that story? God rescues the Israelites out of Egypt. The ten plagues, right? All that stuff that happens. And, 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 and this is what it says in Exodus chapter 13. Verse 17 through 18. When Pharaoh let the people go, God did not lead them by the way of the land of the Philistines, although what? Although what? Although what? It was the quickest way too. For God said, lest the people change their minds when they see war and return to Egypt. But God led the people around the way of the wilderness toward the Red Sea and the people of Israel went up out of the land of Egypt equipped for battle. You got to see the map in order to understand it. If you see, over here at the beginning, this is where the Israelites begin to exit Egypt, the land of Goshen. Now, I want you to forget the red line, and I want you to look across the Great Sea. Are you looking at the Great Sea? Can you see, can you see Jericho over there? I want you to imagine a straight line from Jericho to Goshen. That was the short route, but look at the red line. You see the red line? That's the way God took them. And you're probably thinking, God don't got no GPS? What is God's problem? That's so long. Why would he take them down and around? Why wouldn't he just take them there? Why? What was so important down here that God had to take them the long way? Well, down there was the Red Sea. You know, the Red Sea, the, the body of water that, 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 that stood up. And, and clear ground 
that let the Israelites go He could have taken them straight too, but if he had, they would have missed out on the opportunity to go straight and prove. He said, I got to take you through it. Why? He says, because when you go through it, after you go through it, you're going to meet some enemies. But after you meet these enemies, you're going to remember what I took you. And because you were able to get you won't be afraid of the enemies that come to meet you. Come on, I'm preaching. I, I promise I would never say this, but I'm preaching way better than you're saying amen right now. Way better. He said, I could have taken you to it, but I had to bring you through it because I knew there'd be enemies waiting for you on the other side. And you needed to have the courage that if I could take you through it, I could take you through that. I could take you through that. One day I'm going to shout so loud you're going to stand up. I'm going to take you through it. And, they, and he did. And you know what they did? The Israelites sang songs about it. Look at Psalms, chapter 106, verse 9. He rebuked the Red Sea, and it dried up. He led them through the depths as through a desert. Before war, they would open up that psalm. He got us through the Red Sea. You can't nothing going to stop us. He got us through the Red Sea. Anybody see that, that, uh, that March Madness commercial? Gatorade? Uh, where, where, like, they're, they're in the locker room, and they got the headphones on. And they, no? Okay, I'll tell you about it. They're in the locker room, and they got the headphones on, and they're getting amped. They're getting pumped because they know that they're about to be, meet the enemy, and, and they're singing this song. It's a, it's, a, it's a Kanye song, so if you're like anti-Kanye, I'm sorry, but this is the song that they play. Put it up. Rebuke the Red Sea. We got this, bro. We got this. And it dried up like nothing. You ready to take on these Philistines? I'm ready. Because he got us to the Red Sea. Just pumped. Just pumped. Because they're looking back at the thing that God got them through. Come on, let's get hyped. He got us through it. He's going to get us through this. The enemy got no chance. We go in. We go in. We go in. He got us through the rest. He got us through it. You need to turn your suffering into a song. Because he got us through that divorce. Because he got me through that, that breakup. Come on. Because he got me through the bankruptcy. Because he got me through cancer. Because he got me through my sickness. Because he got me through my pain. Because he got me through that. So go ahead and turn up the lights. I got no fear. He got me through it. And he's going to get me through it again. He's going to get me through it again. I'm not afraid. I'm not concerned. I'm not worried. You need to draw the confidence out of the miracle you need. By being cognizant of the miracle you already had. Say it again. You draw confidence 
for the miracle you need by being cognizant of the miracle you already have. And y'all come up here either too early or I preach too long. I'm not sure. That's just point one. That's just point one. You guys okay? What has God gotten you through? Huh? What has he gotten you through? What has he gotten you through? Look back. But I get it. It's hard to remember what he's gotten you through when in the moment you're going through it. Right? I mean, it's easy to look back when it's all said and done. But what if it's doomed? What if? What if your marriage is on the rocks now? What if you're struggling with that addiction now? What if, what if now when you're not able to pay your bills? Well, yeah, he got me through that, but it's hard to look at what he got me through when I'm going through it. And Mary and Martha were probably no different, you know. If they were close to Jesus, that means that they spent time with Jesus. That means they saw the blind get healed. That means they saw the deaf get healed. They saw the, the lame walk. They knew what God had done. But it's hard to see what God had done when it hit so close to home. And so, and so, they're there. And they send Jesus, they send the messenger. They send the messenger. And when the messenger goes, they have no idea if God got the message. And they're waiting. And they're waiting. Here's what it says. John chapter 11, verse 5 through 6. Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So when he heard that Lazarus was ill... He stayed two days longer in the place where he was. What? I'll read it again. Now Jesus loved Martha. It's a funny way of showing love, Jesus. He loved you. He loved your mom. He loves your spouse. He loves you. So when he heard your prayer, he waited. What? Have you ever sent a God a message? That you're wondering if he got. Or worse. You, you know he got it. But you wonder what the message is back. Maybe some of our teenagers can relate to this in the audience. You ever send a text message to a girl you like? I love you. Two days you haven't gotten a response back. All of a sudden you start sending make believe text. JK, JK. JK. I don't my brother had my phone. He sent that for me, you know. Why? I've learned with my wife, I'm doing, going through the things that we've gone through. Last year alone, I don't know how many miscarriages we've had in our family. Um, but the worst part is when, they, when you go in for the first checkup and they say, it doesn't look good. You have to wait a month to find out. Sometimes the devil isn't the greatest tormentor. Sometimes the greatest tormentor is time. Just waiting for an answer. It's like, God, if you didn't give me the answer from the beginning, let it be no, but tell me no now. I just don't want to wait. I just don't want to suffer. Come on, is there anybody waiting on a miracle here? You've already prayed. Your prayer's already gone up. But you're wondering, did he get it? And if he did get it, what's the answer? That's where Mary and Martha are. Frustrated. And here's the important thing. When Jesus comes, he comes on day four. Why is that significant? Because the Jewish people had a belief that the spirit of a human being was hovering over the body for three days. But on the fourth day, it departed. So you have to understand, when Jesus came on the fourth day, Mary and Martha had been waiting so long, they literally had given up hope. They knew that God could resurrect them, but nobody can resurrect somebody after three days. Have you been waiting so long that you've lost hope? Mary and Martha were on that first Sabbath. 
They've been there. You know, some of you are on the verge. Some of you threw up that prayer two years ago and the messengers haven't come back yet. And when they did, they said, he's not going to die, but you're standing next to a dead body. Wondering, what's up, God? I'm confused. And this was the hardest thing for me to explain. How do I explain why God waits if he loves me? Because, and so, so I did this. Give me, give me that real quick. The only way I can teach you this is by showing this to you. And we'll wrap up with this. Um, when I was young, I was in Little League. And uh, I bought a new glove. Anybody play baseball here? Raise your hand. You played baseball some. Dying sport, I guess. What's the problem when you buy a new glove? It's rough. It's hard to, hard to, hard to, hard to mold. They actually have a term for making it softer. That it can be used. That term's called a breaking in your glove. So, in order to break in your glove, you gotta play with it for a long time, and then it breaks in. But there was a faster way I heard. I went to Walmart, and I saw one of these things. Yeah, hot glove heat treatment. It's the coolest thing. You take the spray, you put the foam all over the glove, you put a baseball in it, you wrap it up put it in the oven for like an hour. Yeah, this is real. I promise I didn't make this up. This is real. She's looking at me like, you're a liar. I said, where? <laughs> Buy it. It's at Walmart. So, so I, so I put it, so I, so I, I, said, I said an hour. I had to play catch in like five minutes. I said an hour. I went no hour. I was 10. Nobody told me how microwaves work. my sister. It's my sister. Is this a true story? It's not a true story. This is a true story. So I, 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 I wrapped it up. I said, well, if it's an hour in the oven, I think five minutes in the microwave should be fine. So I wrapped it up and I put it in the microwave. Guys, it's only funny because it's true. And I set my microwave to Five minutes. You don't cook anything for five. They should have like a like a governor on your microwave. It doesn't let go any longer than three. I set it to five minutes and I walked away. No lie. I almost burned my house down. Smoke all over the, the, the kitchen. Smoke alarms going off like crazy. My dad comes up, what the? And I won't tell you what he said because he goes to church here. But he said, what the? Open the microwave. The glove is black at that point. The ball has completely charred. What were you doing? I told her, I didn't want to wait. I thought that heat was all the glove needed to be molded the way I needed it to be molded. So I thought more heat was quicker. But heat is not the ingredient that molds you up. Heat is the ingredient that loosens the fiber. You know what the ingredient is that molds the glove, not heat? Time. Jesus, why weren't you here when Lazarus died? Jesus would have said, I love you. What do you mean you love me? If you love me, you would have answered me. No, 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 you don't understand. I'm trying to mold you. And the only way I can mold you 
the only way I can use you, the only way I can, I can, I can, I can let you fulfill your purpose is if I, is if, if there's a breaking process that goes on. And I'm sorry, JJ, but that takes time. That takes time. Now you know why it's been so long. Why am I struggling with this addiction? Because he's working on you. Why hasn't God come through yet? Because he's, he's, he's molding you. Here's, you know what the difference is between the microwave and the oven? God loves you, so he put you in the oven. Hey, if you're in the oven, that means he's with you. What do you mean? Well, if he wasn't, you'd been burned by now. The next time you complain about going through something, right after that complaint, because it's okay to complain, give a shout to God because that means he's still with you. That means the fire has yet to consume you. That means he hasn't burned you. That means the enemy tried, but he kept him at bay. I'm going through it. Amen. Keep going. Amen. Keep going. But well, you don't understand it. I'm going through it. Amen. Keep going. Just a little bit longer. You're almost there. But when you come out, he's going to use you and your purposes are going to be fulfilled. Keep going. so much for joining us today. We hope you've been blessed and encouraged by this message. We'd love to know how this ministry is touching your life. If you would like to share your testimony or if you have any prayer requests, please email us amen at journeyorl.com where we'll have a team of people ready to celebrate with you and pray with you. Also, if you would like to help support the ministry of Journey Church in a financial way, you can do so by visiting journeyorl.com and choosing the giving option or text journey ORL to 77977. We hope you'll join us again soon. Have a great week.